So just a bit of background information before we read the passage. The author here is, in the Gospel of Mark, is Mark. And he's here writing predominantly to a Gentile church who is under the rule of Caesar Nero in a time of persecution. At the beginning of chapter 10, we see that Jesus is in discourse with the Pharisees who are still seeking to destroy him, but who also seek to trap him in a question about divorce. Jesus is then seen in verse 17, preparing to go upon a journey. We'll read from verse 17 now, so please listen attentively. And as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. And he said to him, Teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. And Jesus looked at him and loved him and said to him, You lack one thing. Go sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. Disheartened by the sin, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How difficult it is, how difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said to them again, Children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they were exceedingly astonished and said to him, Then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man it is impossible, but not with God. For all things are possible with God. Peter began to, began to say to him, See, we have left everything to follow you. Jesus said, Truly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brother or sister or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold no, and in the time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecution, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. So here in Mark chapter 10, verse 23, the central question really is, how difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. From the titles and the headings in our Bibles, in which mine is the rich young ruler, our words such as like riches, great wealth, and possessions, depending on your Bible translation, someone might say, well, this passage has nothing really to do with me. 
This is for those who are like the Bill Gates, are possibly the Cowillians or the Halutes of our society. We in this church are not rich. We do not have great or many possessions. Therefore, this passage is not for me, but for those types of people in a greater financial bracket. The word riches used in verse 23 means crema, which speaks towards riches and wealth. It is inclusive of money or property, but that's not all it includes. It means broadly anything that someone uses or needs, a thing, matter, affair, event, business, anything that you own that is useful to you. Some may have more riches than others, yet all of us have riches. We are rich people, even though Carl Williams is in a, has greater riches than we do. So consider the disciples' question on who can be saved in verse 26. Are they astonishment? They did not say that some people might not be able to be saved, but they asked, but who can be saved? They thought of all types of people. Therefore, this passage is applicable to us, the rich, are those who have possessions. Jesus repeated what was said in verse 24 by stating, children as a source of comfort to the disciples. But yet he stated what is true. It is hard for those who have riches to enter into the kingdom of God. Possessions, great riches, or even a drive to be rich rule the heart of the young ruler, but it also rules the heart of people in general. Naturally, people place their trust and their joy within things rather than the God who has created all things. This is an effect of the fall. We don't delight in God and his law, but we seek to find satisfaction in anything outside of Christ. The analogy Jesus uses was quite normal to that society, but it seems strange to us. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter in the kingdom of God. Commentators disagree on what the camel here is referring to, whether it's a physical camel that needed to be unloaded to fit through the door going to Jerusalem. So it was made to kneel, as described in Genesis chapter 24, 11. However, others believe the camel refers to a cable rope and a needle's eye. However, I agree with the, the first mentioned um, in Genesis chapter 24, verse 11. A rich man cannot enter the kingdom of God unless he is able to be satisfied with Christ alone. Even if it means following Jesus will mean I will need to part with all or some of my worldly wealth and humbly obey Christ if God calls me to do so. All people are to love and to find joy and satisfaction in Christ and not the things of this world. 
We could possibly say all people who profess faith in Jesus will be called to give up things of this world for the sake of Christ and the gospel. This is a cause of being a disciple. Yet, all people do not give up the same or the exact amount of worldly goods. Some people are called to let go of more worldly goods than others. Yet, all believers should have a heart that would release any worldly good, any comfort, any possession for the sake of Christ. God leads us by his word and his Holy Spirit makes impressions upon our heart. For example, God's word dictates what biblical leadership would look like within a church, such as elders and deacons. But yet, God doesn't call all men to be elders or deacons. Or God calls all persons to go and to proclaim the gospel. But God doesn't impress on all people's heart to become missionaries and go to unreached places. Psalms chapter, Psalm chapter 37 verse 4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. And many, many times when persons hear verses such as these, they, they think normally that if I go to church, if I do a bunch of spiritual things, health, wealth, and prosperity will follow. The desires of the heart here mentioned is not a desperately wicked heart prior to salvation that was or is in us for those who are outside of Christ. Yet by God's grace, those who believe have been given a new heart. After salvation, and through being made to look like Christ daily, we begin to desire things that we once didn't desire. We grow in our love for God, glorifying Him by obeying His law and making Him known. Therefore, this is why a person decides to leave their comforts, to leave a well-developed state or a nation and travel to a country that is less developed, leaving all their comforts for the sake of making Christ known. This is why a person who once chose not to be named among a fo- being a follower of Christ chooses whether at their job, whether it is to go to another nation, whether it is in their community to talk about Christ and to proclaim the gospel, even though they might be mocked. This is why persons sold their possessions, even in the book of Acts, for the gospel's sake and the needs of the poor. Whether you lose comforts, possessions, strained relationships for the gospel's sake, it is worth it and it is also possible. John Piper once said, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. When we are satisfied in Him, we are able to leave the things of this world for the sake of Christ. And it is definitely possible. What then really makes a person leave all all they have for God's sake? Like the disciples, we might possibly say, who then can be saved? Am I willing to part with possessions for the gospel's sake? 
And Jesus rightly said in verse 27, this is impossible with man. Outside of the work of Christ, we naturally set our hearts upon anything but Christ. But then came the hope, but not for God. For all things are possible with God. Hope is present, but just not in you, but in Christ. See, the rich young ruler was not some abstract or some far-fetched event within the Bible. How did the rich young ruler believe that he could attain eternal life? By works. How do most people in Barbados and across the world believe that they can get into God's good standards by being a good person? So it's quite common. Good teacher, he asks, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus' response is, only God is good. And if you talk to a Jehovah Witness before they would point out this passage and say, look, hey, look, here Jesus is denying his deity, but that's not the case. Jesus is not denying his deity of being God, but the young ruler referred to him as merely a good teacher, not as God. Rightly, Jesus answered, only God is good. There is no such thing as a righteous teacher, since teachers are of the law, we're sinners. Preachers of the word, our teachers of the word today within the 21st century, are sinners. There is none good. Jesus gives the young ruler the law in which he should obey to be considered good. And he responds with, I have done these things from young. Jesus looked at him and it says he looked and he loved him. Which basically means Jesus looked at him with compassion or such pity. The young ruler had a superficial view of God's law and his sin. Sin stems from our desperately wicked hearts, as Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 9 states. The young ruler shows how possibly each one of us thought we could earn eternal life by being a good person. Be a good person and you will go to heaven. Yet, our actions and the intentions of our heart show that we are not, we are not good. Think about these two intentions of the heart. And here, like, there are no actions present. Have you ever committed murder? Most persons wouldn't confess that, but the question is, have you ever committed murder? Murder, as Jesus described in Matthew chapter 5, verse 21, says, You have heard it said to those of old, you shall not commit murder. And whoever murder will be leveled for judgment. So rightly, at this point, the young ruler could say, Well, hey, I have never taken the life of anyone. But Jesus continues to say, But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be labeled to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be labeled to the council. And whoever says you fool will be labeled to hell of fire. Who could possibly say that they have never insulted anyone? Or they have never hated their brother? 
he then also mentions adultery. He says, you have heard, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. No one keeps the law of God perfectly, or even mostly well. We break God's command in thought and intentions of, of the heart, even when our actions obey the moral law. This is why Jesus looked at the man with pity. How ignorant was he, and how ignorant are we of our sin, believing ourselves better than we are, thinking we can, we can earn eternal life by keeping the law. So, if intentions of the heart, as Jesus mentioned, is placed to say that we have broken the law, we then have all committed murder because we have insulted someone. We are fornicators and adulterers at heart. We have all disobeyed our parents' life and stolen. We have all broken God's law. This makes following Jesus more impossible than a young ruler actually thought. Therefore, we see now we don't keep his law so we can't attain eternal life by works and we also don't follow Christ for our hearts are satisfied with worldly possessions. How impossible it is for man to follow Christ but as Jesus said, but not for God. Eternal life is possible not by your works but because of God. The Father draws the rebel unto himself. The Son atones for our sin and imputes his righteousness to us by faith. The Spirit takes the stony, sin-adoring heart and gives us a new heart. So, unbeliever, I encourage you to believe the gospel. You and I are not good people. When we compare ourselves to the moral law, we see that we break it. Jesus died on the cross not for those who believe themselves to be good people, but for sinners like you and I. This is the good news in the gospel. God can make you righteous by the words of his son, but by his son alone. Agree with God about your sin. And state, sorry, agree with God about your sin state. Take all hope off of your good works and trust in Jesus' perfect law keeping and his death on the cross. Don't undermine your sin and how righteous and holy God is. We have in verse 28 examples of people who followed Christ. Yes, those examples were the disciples who left all they have for the sake of the gospel and for Christ. The disciples the disciples left all that they had. They did what the rich young ruler didn't do. And it was not because they were better than the rich young ruler, but it was because God's grace enabled them to have eternal life. And this was shown by them following Christ. 
leaving all their possessions for the sake of the gospel. God made this possible. He worked and was working in them here to will and to do. The disciples here were not boasting in their good works, but saw that they could stand the test. They were indeed disciples of Christ. When we delight in God's law more than we did in previous weeks, or we are able to part with worldly goods being obedient to God, it isn't because we are better than other men, but it's because of God's grace working in us. God made it possible. We have nothing to boast about but to recognize and be grateful for God's salvation and God's work in you and I. Humility and love for God should flow from our reflections upon what we once were and how more like Christ we are becoming. God has been patient and continues his work in us, although we sin. Like, if we skip to Mark chapter 14, verse 66 and 72, to 72, we see that Jesus is arrested and, and Peter is there before him. And this, this is the same Peter that said in chapter 10, we have left everything. At this point, he did not leave everything for the sake of Christ. Peter could have been persecuted at the moment if he did not deny to the servant girl's claim. Peter held on to his comfort and well-being and chose possessions over being named as a follower of Christ. Yet, Peter boasted earlier in Mark chapter 14 verse 29, even though they fall away, I will not. And again, in, in chapter 10, when he said, well, we have left everything. Outside of God's grace, Peter was no different from the rich young ruler. Outside of God's grace, which saved you and sanctifies you daily, we are no different from that rich young ruler. Foolishly, we think we can attain salvation by works, and we love the world and its goods and not God. Yet, Jesus said to Peter, in his time of self-confidence in himself, sorry, in his time of self-confidence, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to save you like me, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. This is what it means that God makes possible what with man remains impossible. God caused Peter not to forsake the gospel. As the verse states, and when you have turned, and not if you turn. Just as he works in you and I to cling to Christ for the gospel's sake. God then chooses not only to enable us to follow Christ, but he gives us more than what we have lost. We see the, we see the promise in verse 29, promises of eternal things are what we cling to as we forsake worldly things for the sake of the gospel and for Christ. And hence, this is why Mark seeks to remind the Gentile believers at this time under persecution by Caesar Nero is the eternal things that we set our mind and our hope on. 
we will one day get to be with Christ. We will one day be perfect. But in Mark, Jesus also promises other things. The scope of the promise is quite wide. Whether worldly things are taken due to persecution, whether you are fired from a job or not given a job position due to your biblical perspectives or biblical worldviews, whether your homes or lands are seized within Barbados or overseas, or wherever Christ may take you, God will restore more than you have lost. He owns everything. He is your portion. He will preserve your soul and give you those fleeting things in a far more meaningful way than, that, than those we have left for his sake. Matthew Henry sums it up quite nicely. The advantage will be great. They shall receive a hundredfold in this time, houses and brethren and sisters, not in money, but that which is equivalent. He shall have abundance of comfort while he lives, sufficient to make up for all his losses. His relation to Christ, his communion with the saints, and his title to eternal life shall be to him brethren and sisters and houses and all. Amid persecution, just like those believers in Mark, or when tempted, or when we are tempted for loving things of this world and forsaking Christ, set your heart on the things above. Nothing that you toil for in this life while you are here on earth, you will keep. The house that you own will one day either be destroyed or it will be owned by someone else. Comforts are fleeting. We live in Barbados and Christianity is, although persons aren't Christians, is widely accepted and you won't be killed for your um, belief. But that is now in the 21st century. Who knows what will happen a few years from now. So comforts are fleeting. You will one day leave your job at retirement or be fired. <laughs> Sorry. Your friends and family grow old and will leave you or you will leave them. According to Body Backham, one day someone's going to get all your stuff. Let Christ lead you. Successful living is not attaining the world's goods, but being faithfully obedient to the commands of God in his word and purposes impressed upon your heart. As the hymn goes, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in light of his glory and grace. A disciple of Christ, if he has truly seen Christ, will joyously want to give up all their treasure for the sake of Christ. <laughs>